1: And you're listening to Here's the Thing. That's the classic opening chords of These Eyes by the Guess Who. It was their breakout hit, number one on the charts, and a perfect showcase for the complex arrangements and incredibly versatile voice of frontman Burton Cummings.
2: These eyes cry every night Long to hold you It was 1969,
1: and for a while the guess who were as big as it gets. And if you're Canadian, they're even bigger the first huge Canadian rock and roll act, paving the way for border-crossing superstars from Arcade Fire to Justin Bieber and Nickelback. It was a long road from rec hall rehearsals in Winnipeg to the top of the world, though even at 13, the precocious Cummings got a taste of glory when he wasn't in Homeroom.
3: Bands, when they reach a certain level of fame... Everything changes. I know right. when I was in my first band, I was f- 13, 14, 15, 16, still living at home. Uh, we were treated like the Beatles, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. It was like a whole other world. Then Monday morning, back to high school and back to normal, back to earth. When you At that level, it's wonderful. It's all music. It's not business yet. It's not pressure yet. It's, it's for fun. Like peer pressure. It's just pure fun for the sake of the music. Then I got into the Guess Who, I just, I, I wasn't quite 18 yet, the Guess Who was already huge in Canada, they had mm-hmm. had Shaken All Over and they had toured mm-hmm. with the Turtles and Dion DiMucci and they had toured with oh, Chuck Jackson and Maxine Brown and all these famous people, To be the Kingsmen doing Louis Louis, and they had toured with all these people and they phoned me, I was still 17 and they asked me to join the band. You grew up with your mother Mm -hmm. mother and her her parents. Mother and grandmother. Mother and grandmother. My dad was a useless drunk who beat the hell out of my mother when I was about 10 months old. It was a bitterly cold night in Canada, Christmas time about 30 below. She grabbed me, blood all over her, ran down the street a half a block to where my grandparents lived and got me out of that hell. And she, you remember I, that? Well, I I rem- uh, seriously I do. I wasn't even a year old yet and I remember when the police came, my mother was covered in blood and my grandmother and grandfather were freaking out. And I remember it was Christmas time. And the police, I was crying like crazy, and the policeman gave me a tiny little candy cane. And they say you can't remember stuff past two or three years old. Yeah. That's not true. I remember it very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. He gave me a little candy cane to stop me crying, and I never saw my dad again until I was about 23, and I only saw him once, and he was a pathetic drunk. Even
1: the, 23 years later, he was all Oh, pathetic. Damaged. He
3: came back. Uh, Alec, I had a wall full of gold records. He came back when I was 23 and asked me, can I get you something? Do you need a pair of pants? That's, you know, wow. what, what Mark Twain he didn't, said. He didn't know any better. Mark Twain said once, the difference between fiction and fact is that uh, fiction has to make more sense. Right. You know, that's, for me, that night was like playing a really bad part in a soap opera. It was awful.
1: Now yeah, but when you're a child and you're growing up with your mom, uh, are you musical from the get-go? I mean, from when you were a little kid? Bless my mom's heart. She started me on lessons when I was five.
3: And so by the time I was eight or nine... You was playing eight. the
1: sax then? What would you play? No,
3: I play piano. I was yeah. a piano, pianist from day one. I took classical lessons. You know, I could, at one time I could play Rachmaninoff, Beethoven. Whatever you put in front of me, I could sight-read it the way you and I can read words. Can't do that anymore. No, really? I used to be able to, but I can't do it anymore. But I, you know, the funny thing was I had a wonderful piano teacher, but when I started falling into Jerry Lee Lewis and Fats Domino and uh, Little Richard, I wanted to be a pounder, you know. And she was so against that, man. She she wanted to straight ahead Beethoven and Rachmaninoff and, you know, uh, Fur Elise and all the wonderful classics. There's nothing wrong with that. But, man, I wanted to... I wanted to rock a bit, you know. She was against that. You did play the sax after that. I played that. sax, yes. I learned how to play sax. To get into I, a band? Why I did bought you a the sax? sax? I bought a sax for 20 bucks from a guy in West Kildonan in Winnipeg, and I figured out the fingering, and I listened to Johnny and the Hurricanes and the Rebels and some of the other saxophone groups and figured it out myself. Now, here's a weird thing. I didn't know. Nobody ever bothered to tell me that the fingering was the same on a flute. So years later, we're doing this record called She's Come Undone, which got a lot of airplay. And there's a flute solo in the middle. I love that song, Undone. That's me on flute. No. And, And the funny thing was, I had been playing sax for a few years already. And we were opening a Yamaha store in Winnipeg. And they were selling flutes, and there was a flute in the glass case, so Randy Backman, the famous Randy Bachman, taking care of business, you ain't seen nothing yet, BTO, my partner BTO. At, at that time, he and I were together in the guest He went guest on suit.
1: to form BTO yeah. after the guest suit. Yeah, but
3: he and I wrote these eyes and all those things together. So we're sitting, waiting, waiting to do our show at this Yamaha store, and there's a flute in the glass case and we love this group called traffic they had a a flute player named chris wood and and we loved jethro tull i mean flute was coming into rock and roll so randy says look man you love traffic and jethro tull there's a flute right there why don't you learn how to play it i said but i don't know the fingering the yamaha guy says well the fingering's the same as a sax i said you're kidding me i grabbed it as soon as i got the aperture right and could make a note with my lips i played it on stage that night
1: oh my goodness you had an instinct as a musician. You just I had an instinct. So.
3: Backman bought me a little book about chords, and he said, you damn well learn how to play rhythm guitar. And about three weeks later, I was playing rhythm guitar. You're like MacGyver.
1: Stage. You're like the MacGyver oh. of music. You're
3: getting <laughs> no, it all done. No, no. I just, I, I, I like all instruments. I would love to be able to play a trumpet or a horn, but I just don't. I don't have the lips for that. But, but when I love you're
1: Chet Baker and stuff like that. You but know when you're seventeen years old now granted you're 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 mostly in Canada, performing in Canada. Well, and you guys don't break out into the US until you're how old?
3: Sixty nine I was uh, twenty. These eyes, when these eyes came out I was twenty. So that was a monstrous record and when,
1: and when you're in the band and you're 17 years old, the first thing they ask you to do is what? Play keyboards and woodwinds and do everything?
3: I joined basically as a the piano player and a, a background singer because they still had Chad Allen in the band. And he the, was a front man. Yeah, and he he sang Shaken All Over, which was a pretty big hit record. And, and when he left, why did he leave? He went back to university. He wanted to, he didn't trust show business, you know? And I had the, my teachers tell me the same, can you believe it, Alec, my, my high school principal, principal told me show business isn't a profession. Right. Can you believe well, that? Well, they did have a point. <laughs> but that's a, a dinosauric type I said to him, you know what my response was? I said to him, well, tell that to Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley or Paul McCartney. Right. That show business isn't a profession.
1: No, but That's you, ridiculous. But you also have the great pleasure of music is something that you can you can enjoy completely on your own. A Burton Cumming is considered a keyboard at mm-hmm. home and get real pleasure and real joy from himself exactly. out of playing music.
3: Music can be very self-fulfilling and it's it's very, very, very cathartic sometimes. If I'm stressed or something.
1: Sure. Now, when you're 17 and they call you and you come in and do that, then he leaves to go back to university. Are you the front man then? They come Suddenly, to you?
3: Suddenly, I'm singing everything.
1: Were you a singer prior to that?
3: Well, we were in a, the— qu- In a choir as a boy? In the de- yes, as a matter of fact. I right. was in the Anglican Church Choir for three, four years. My real training, if you could call it training— my vocal training came in high school. I did the tenor lead in HMS Pinafore, and the following year was trial by jury. And as you would know as an actor, these are huge, huge undertakings. It's not just a bit of singing. It's, yeah. you know, I am poor in the essence of happiness, rich only in never-ending unrest. In me, there meet a combination of antithetical elements, at eternal war with one another, together like by objective influences. You know, Gilbert and Sullivan, man, there was pages and pages of dialogue. Then, you break into a song so I did all that at 15 and 16 mm. that's pretty good training so they Even knew if... you
1: could sing when you came
3: on board oh I think so guess Yeah, and the, and the Devrons before I was in the guess who the Devrons we were, we were kind of breathing down their neck you know, but we uh-huh. were the young guys in town in Winnipeg so there was an echelon, and we had worked our way up to probably be in the second or third best next to them. They were so much better than anybody else.
1: Now, can you? you know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to treat you like some kind of a jukebox here. But can you play for us? We just so it just so happens we have a keyboard hey, here. Hey, look at this, a beautiful Yamaha That, that thing in front of you is a Yamaha. Yes. D- now, can you play for us? Uh, what's a song you would play when you were with? Uh, what was the name of the group? The Devrons. The Devrons. What were the Devrons playing? Oh well, we were.
3: We, we did all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I would try and do things that other singers weren't singing. In other words, I would try and do something like this. They asked me how I knew My true love was true Oh, I at once replied Something here inside cannot be denied. Stuff like that where, <laughs> where not great. everybody has the chops to get those notes. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or, or things like, um, oh, those Walker Brothers records. Remember the Walker Brothers? If you really love him. And there's nothing I can do. Don't try to spare my feeling. Just tell me that we're through. And I was trying to do the more complex songs and ballads, and everybody else was just doing. I gotta I was trying to make our band a little bit different and and I noticed that we were getting more female attention right, from right, these right. big ballads, man, right. cuz not everybody love songs. can do you, mean, you you saw what, what, what I re- El- Elvis fans sure. at the end they would go they'd
2: lose their minds. And mind.
1: I and I read what you wrote about love songs when they re-recorded American woman, mm-hmm. those ballads are what live on forever. Well, the funny thing was these eyes. I mean, that's uh,
3: goodness gracious. Can you imagine being a 20-year-old white boy from winnipeg canada from the prairies and you have this monstrous record called these eyes in nineteen sixty nine radio is still segregated at this point very very segregated what happens junior walker and the all-stars one of the biggest acts on motown record these eyes and they have their own hit version of it the same year as ours Randy Backman and I were flabbergasted. This is a hero of mine. He had Shotgun and Shake and Finger Pop and Cleo's Mood, and he had a million hit records of What does it take to win your love for me? This was Junior Walker. He recorded your song. He did These Eyes, and his went top ten in Billboard the same year as ours because his got played in urban areas where
1: our white bread version didn't necessarily move in. Right. So when you're with the first band, Mm -hmm. uh, the Devrons, are you songwriting then? Are you a songwriter then? Did that come easily to
3: you? I tried and tried and tried. From the time I was 14 or 15, I tried to be a songwriter. I was so enamored with First of all, before the Beatles and the British invasion, there were wonderful writers, you know, Jerry Goff and Carol King, Thomas and Schumann, Lieber and Stoller, Burt Bacharach and Hal David, all these incredible songwriting teams. And I was such a fan of the writers. Then, when I got a little older, I was more of a fan of the writers that that sang their own stuff. And then Bob Dylan came along, right. and he was the writing all his own incredible Simon and Garfunkel. lyrics. And yeah. Paul Simon, yeah, Beatles. and then you know Paul and John. I mean, forget it, yeah. man. That's
1: they but just, you're downgrading yourself as a writer when you get into the guests who in these huge monster songs of yours these beautiful songs did you write them with 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 uh, Randy, yeah. Randy yeah Randy
3: and I we wrote these eyes in about 28 minutes it wasn't uh, Did you so
1: you you got more skillful at writing songs
3: and I think we were good for each other right. because he was a guitarist I was a pianist so the yin and yang bounced off each other I would show him a, a piano riff sometimes he would show me a guitar riff sometimes and we did a song called No Time which was a I pretty know. big <laughs> record and I I know that it. one too. I love that one because I'll tell you why, Alex. You that sang was, No
1: Time. Oh, yeah.
3: And I wrote mean, it. your voice is all over the I'm place. On my way to better things, I found myself some wings. It's a good record, and and Randy had this great riff. He was playing. And he started singing, no time left for you. And I sang over him like a round, on my way to... You can't do both at once. No time left for, on my way to, no time left for... Yeah. So I sang over him like a round, and he liked the way that sounded. And I worked on the lyrics for a while, but there was no piano on that record. See, that's a guitar song. And that's when we started getting taken a little more seriously as a band. That's when Rolling Stone finally gave us a nod and said, well, maybe they're not... The Ohio
1: Express, so maybe they're not. Uh, you know. <laughs> the Ohio Express. You got great references. Now, t- so when you sit down and you do these eyes, does it? There's obviously the, the opening notes of that on the keyboard, and we, does the songwriting begin there? Well, here, how the did the song
3: begin? Interesting thing about these eyes. I'm the piano player, but that piano riff was Randy's, and I always thought I was so impressed that a guitar player could come up with. Those are very clever chords for a guitar player to right. be playing on piano. Right. and But he wanted to call it these arms, you know, so we worked on it, and I had that energetic part in the middle yeah, that, yeah. That, that, energe- that was all mine. These eyes I've seen a lot of love, but they're never going to see another one like I had with you. And kept taking it
1: up a whole tone. These and- By the time it got up, Yeah. So you're you're 17 years old, and where are you playing when you're with the guests? The guests who is playing where predominantly in those early days? uh,
3: Early days, uh, a lot around Winnipeg. We would sometimes go as far east as Kenora, 130 miles into the province of Ontario. We flew in 1967. We went to England. It was February. I just turned 19, and the whole thing fell apart when we got to England. Now... The great part was we were in Swinging London in the 60s. Sure. 1967 in London. Are you kidding? Oh, I was beautiful. at the Bag of Nails one night in Soho, and I'm playing a slot machine. I'm having a brown ale. There's a guy next to me with pretty long hair. I didn't really look up, and I'm playing a little more. Finally, after about 10 minutes, I turn, I look. It's Bill Wyman from the wow. Stones, And he's just in a pub, Alec. In yeah. a pub, having a drink, playing a, a break. Slots. Yeah. He did a little film with The Who in some club. Ooh. and. That was the real British invasion days, and I was only 19 and I was taking it all in. We're loving it.
1: When you come back, the scope of the Guess Who broadens. We came
3: back in '67 uh, beaten, beaten and ashamed, and I was, I was ashamed to leave the house for a week because everything had fallen apart. We plodded on through that summer of '67. We were just about ready to break up as a band, and along comes CBC Television, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Sure. That they offer us a weekly. Half-hour show for 36 weeks. No. Yeah. And that saved us. We got out of debt, paid for our lovely silk suits, which we were still trying to pay off, paid for our lovely amps, our new guitars. You
1: did 36 half-hour shows? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's 18 hours of shows. What do you play for 18 hours? Oh, every week we did what was ever on the charts. We weren't writing a lot of our own stuff yet. Oh, I see. You're doing so covers. we would do
3: Van Morrison. When we went to New York for a trip, we'd come back and we'd do songs by the Everly Brothers because we had seen them in New York. We'd do Van Morrison because we saw him. Whatever was on the charts, we had to learn about 12 new songs every week. You know, we right. At one point, Alec, we were doing four one-hour shows a night, and I was doing all the singing. We'd do six,
1: 60 minutes on. What was on, your secret?
3: 10 minutes off. My secret was I was 18, 19. I have a very
1: durable, durable I, I, voice. I,
3: I still smoked cigarettes. I drank beer. I uh, I did all a lot of the wrong things for a singer. You sang those songs and you smoked cigarettes? Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing. I sang all the time. Right. So It's like running or high
1: jumping or pole vaulting. If you're doing it all the time. You're were always in tune. Yeah. So what year do you go to the next... Spot where you're, you're in the, the U.S. market, and you're going to interesting
3: story. So we did the television for one year. Right. Okay. We got we got great chops from that because we had to read read some music, some nice and learn, clothes, learn all the different. We were doing things from the Fifth Dimension to to Van Morrison. What to, did you
1: do from the Fifth Dimension?
3: Oh, Up, Up and Away, Paper Cup, <laughs> Paper Cup. Uh, so very very sort. Um, last night I didn't get to sleep at all, and. No. Uh, They had some great, great records, man. So, "Sweet Blindness" and uh, "I Love Her" raid down to a stone cold picnic. So I will tell you this: we did the TV show for one year. They wanted us back the second year. We said, "Absolutely, this is steady money, no traveling, right? We're in our hometown." Second season starts. The producer, bless his heart, he said, I know you and Randy are writing some songs together. You've got a national audience here, a captive audience, every Thursday at 5.30 for half an hour. Why don't you do a couple of your original songs on the show? As irony would have it, as Cinderella, Cinderella stories are written this way, one of the ones we chose to do was these eyes. Our producer, Jack Richardson, who lived in Toronto, whom we had not really met yet, happened to be watching the show that day and heard the song and believed so much in the song, Alec. He mortgaged his house to fly us to New York and record our first album for RCA. And after these eyes, everything changed.
1: When you first performed in the U.S., where did you go? I mean, in a big venue.
3: Well, we we did uh, we started off in New York at the Felt Forum. We weren't able to sell out the entire Madison Square Garden, but there's a great place called the Felt Forum where we, The Doors played there sure. and the, the Kiss at the beginning and everything. So we started at the Felt Forum. As things got bigger for us, we started playing some of those big festivals and I'll tell you that people ask me sometimes what's one of your greatest memories of the career you've had. I'll be 70 this year, so I've got a lot to remember. Sure. The Seattle Pop Festival, Alec. May of 69. Wow. We got to play all three nights. Wow. It was 80,000 people. Now, at that time, that was a lot of people. For sure. We only had these eyes yet. On the strength of one hit record, we got to play all three days. Listen to this. The Birds, the Burrito Brothers, Bo Diddley, Ike and Tina Turner, Frank Zappa and the Mothers, the Jefferson Airplane, It's a Beautiful Day, the Young Bloods. and the Last Night Led Zeppelin and The Doors, wow. both on stage,
0: oh, back-to-back. Oh, my God.
1: So you go there on the strength of one song, as you say. What are some of the songs— The other songs? Are, well, but, right. I mean, so what are some of—name some of, a couple of the other songs that weren't these big hits? Because you have a lot of songs that, that I remember that are beautiful songs. No Time and Undone. And-, and we had a huge record called Clap for the Wolfman,
3: which was a bit of a novelty, but we had been on Midnight Special so much— I got to be very good friends with Wolfman Jack, and he was a fascinating guy. We stayed up late a few nights, drank beers till toasting the sun coming up, and I couldn't get enough of hanging with him because he knew everybody. He knew all my heroes. Personally, he knew Dwayne Eddy and Bobby Darin and all these people that, you know, the early days of rock and roll, so his stories were endless. And after being friends with him for a while... I uh, came up with these lyrics, Clap for the Wolfman. It went top five in Billboard. It was kind of a novelty little thing, but sure. we didn't see it coming. Right. We, didn't, we didn't see American Woman coming. Right. We didn't see it coming. Number one in Billboard for three weeks? Whew. I I
1: never would have even imagined you know, like every like band, that. Every band, in their early days of success... Uh, They get robbed. They make deals with people. Did you get rich off these songs or you didn't? No,
3: no. We lost a lot of money to bad business managers and um, the producer and his company had all the publishing on the first few songs. So we didn't really. When I left the Guess Who, I didn't have that much. I really didn't. When did you move to L.A., Fulton? Uh, 1976, I moved here, and I did my very first album. I got to uh, my manager, Lauren Safer, got me hooked up with Richard Perry, a fantastic producer who did Carly Simon and the Pointer Sisters and God knows how many big hit records he did. So he did my first album. He did Stand Tall and I'm Scared was another song on there, and uh, that was fantastic working with him.
1: Now, along the way, did you get married? Do you have any kids? Did you have a family? I'm, I'm married. I got married in
3: 81, I guess it was. Yeah, we're still married. No kids. Neither. My right. wife's a homeopathic doctor. We're far too busy. The, the dogs are enough to, right. to look there after. We have two dogs. We've always had two dogs right. through the years, and um, we're both far too busy. And, and, you know, some people, they have kids before they realize they don't want them, right. and then it's too late. Right. We talked about this ages ago. And, and clear. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, people say, oh, don't you, oh, don't you want to have a kid? And what about your legacy? And you know what? I've, I've that's the never, it doesn't kids. keep me awake at night.
2: Sometimes late at night, when there's nothing here except my old piano, I'd almost give my hands. To make you see my way
1: Burton Cummings' rock and roll didn't dominate popular music in the 1960s. It was still a huge appetite for easy jazz and big orchestras, and Herb Alpert satisfied it. In 1966, his Tijuana Brass outsold the Beatles. We had a command performance for the Queen of England. We played there, and the band. Sounded, Tijuana Brass. Yeah, yeah,
2: band sounded great, and then meet uh, Prince Charles, who said, oh, "I have a you record in the in the den."
1: Herb Alpert's stories from his 60 years of making music on here's the thing.org. Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin. Don't you think it's cool to care? Carrie Yuma knows fast fashion's not sustainable and decided to spin that conscious mindset to create high quality low impact sneakers. Their best selling Akka style is the perfect durable sneaker for dressing up or down, pairing a fresh look with broken in level comfort. Akka is made with organic cotton canvas and ethically sourced rubber, and every pair comes with Karayuma's signature cork and Mamona oil insoles. Akka's already found its way into my summer shoe rotation. Find your pair. And choose from a range of bold and beautiful colors. Right now, there's 15% off at cariuma.com
0: alec. With how much we rely on our devices, it's easy to forget about the hardware we're born with. Take ears. Like fingerprints, your ears are totally unique. Too bad your earbuds aren't. Unless you've got Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Custom Fit Earbuds. Ultimate Ears Fits offer premium sound and all-day comfort. Their groundbreaking life-form technology guarantees a perfect fit in only 60 seconds. Just put in the earbuds, connect to the app, and watch as the purple LEDs form the earbuds to your unique shape. With 8 hours of continuous playback on a single charge and up to 20 hours with the charging case, Ultimate Ears Fits are the perfect choice for listening to your favorite music and podcast all day long without pain or discomfort. For a limited time, get 15% off above the current offer of your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Earbuds at ue.com fits. Just use promo code FITS at checkout. That's 15% off the current offer with promo code FITS at ue.com fits.
1: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Burton Cummings' main songwriting collaborator in the early years of the Guess Who was Randy Bachman, the band's guitarist. Their collaboration changed the sound of the late 60s, but their differences in temperament ended up pulling the band apart. Today, the men have reconciled. Here's Bachman alongside Cummings' as they're inducted together into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Grateful to meet this
4: guy who was born to be wild when I was born to be mild, and together <laughs> we put something out that was kind of magical. I'm really thrilled with that. But it took a
3: long time to get back there. We fell out. Um, Randy, um, Randy turned Mormon. In 66. Now, where is he from originally? He's from Winnipeg. Right. And and how
1: did that happen? Well, we we were playing in Regina.
3: We spent the whole summer of 66 in Regina. How about this? Seven guys in two hotel rooms, four in one room, three in another. Uh, We played every single night that summer. We'd drive to some tiny town, play for 100 people, pack up our stuff, drive back to that same hotel the whole summer. That was my (laughs) introduction to the the luxury of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Two months of absolute hell. But it toughened us up, and it toughened my voice up. But Randy married a Mormon girl in 66, and everything changed. Between him and me, and between him and the rest of the band, first of all, now he wouldn't—he wouldn't ever have a Coca-Cola again or a cup of coffee, nothing with caffeine. He would not want us to have a cigarette within fifty feet of the bus. You couldn't have alcohol. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And Randy just turned into a Scoutmaster, right. and that's not cool in and rock he, was and roll. He, was band. he
1: kind of the opposite of that before that? Was he? A, a, a
3: no, pretty, he would, I mean, he wasn't a wild man. No, he wasn't a wild man. He'd he'd have a vodka and orange juice with you, and maybe smoke right. a pipe. But but suddenly he was this taskmaster and it just got it just got ridiculous you know we were still writing songs but the the joy and the love was gone out of it and, he, wow. and then he tried to to convert the rest of the guys in the right. band and taken one us to come to the temple with him you know hey man i'm i'm the easiest guy in the world to get along with but you're not going to convert me to some new religion you know because you are and and as close as Randy had and i had been it was over at that point. He just got completely immersed in the Mormon thing.
1: From that point on, how long do you stay together before you break up?
3: Oh, it it's was still all over another three years. Oh. I mean, we, he met her in 66. The whole thing kind of festered over 67, 68. So while 60, you're making it,
1: mm-hmm.
3: while you guys are really yeah, busting he's, out, he's, a Mormon. he's with yeah. her.
1: Mm-hmm. You split up with Randy what year? 70.
3: Who replaces him? Kurt Winter and Greg Leskew, the two best guitarists in our hometown back in Winnipeg. And I immediately. Thanking the music gods, I immediately had a new writing partner in Kurt.
1: And you have success with him as a writing oh, partner. Oh, yeah.
3: What yeah. songs did you write with him? Well, I, I wrote Share the Land by myself, but with, with him. Kurt wrote Hand Me Down World. He came into the band and Hand Me Down World oh followed God. up American Woman. Right. And those words are still pretty good today. Anybody here see the sky weep in tears for the ocean? Uh man that's 47 years ago and that's still pretty pretty powerful oh it's beautiful anybody here See the noise See the fear And commotion I yeah. think we missed it I think we missed it Anybody here See the sky weeping tears for the ocean You sang that Yeah Kurt had these great So he he had another song Called Bus Rider Which was on our Share the Land album Kurt and I wrote A song called uh, Albert Flasher Not long after that Kurt and I wrote A song called uh, Heartbroken Bopper We had a, another one That went top 20 Called Rain Dance Don't you wanna rain dance With me Don't you wanna rain dance it, it was a great song Fifi said to Don the baker, can you show me how to bake another bun And I'm still sitting with my next door neighbor saying... Where'd you get the gun, John? Don't you want to rain dance with me? So we, we had a bunch of records that were did very, very well. Um, another one called Star Baby... Um, and we kept getting asked back on midnight Special. so that's how I knew we were doing okay. Because that was a live show; you had to play live on there.
1: But "Share the Land" you wrote together. Share with the, the Land, that, I wrote you myself. You wrote yeah, that, you that was yourself. a big, big record for me. And they still, How does a song like that begin? They
3: still call it um, one of the anthems of the hippie era. But but how does a song like that begin? Have you been around? Have you done your share of coming down? Different things that people do. Nice, nice way to start it, but you gotta have that hook, you know. So it was. There was the hook. Maybe I'll be there to shake your hand. Maybe I'll be there to share the land. They'll be giving away when we all live together. We're talking about together now. Yeah. That one came quick. Yeah. About 20 minutes, half an hour. No, you're kidding me. No. Are you kidding me? I don't see. I'm not one of these Carol King guys, and don't don't misconstrue that. I right. think she's a genius. I right. love Carol King's work, but there's there's these writers. You know, they get together at twelve noon, and oh, it's only ten to twelve. Is it time to be brilliant yet? Oh, we'll get together and we'll write on Saturday at six p.m. Right. i have never been one of those it guys. It comes flying out if of you. If it's not if it's not happening, I will not sit yeah. and try and force it. On the other hand. At 3.30 in the morning, if I wake up and I got it, I'll run to the piano and and record it and write down lyrics and stuff. So I've never been one of those guys that forces it. And I've done over 30 albums by not
1: forcing it who were some people that you worked with like that? whether you played with them opened for them they opened for you eventually it doesn't matter who did you dig who did you like did well, you love I mean, Zeppelin did you like B- any, British Invasion any,
3: anybody that uh, anybody that's my age that has any music in them the Beatles blew everybody yeah, away right. I mean it was it's it's almost silly to talk, talk about the Beatles in the same breath as anyone else they were that far yeah. above everyone else I really do think that well they think
1: transformed that. themselves so much yeah. and, and you, think of this Alec
3: they weren't even together for seven years. Yeah, the barely. Beatles, they changed sure. the entire world. The, the length of your yeah. hair and my hair today sure. has something to do with sure. the Beatles. Yeah. The Beatles came along. Then the Stones, the Kinks, the Zombies, Manfred Mann, Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas, yeah. Eric Burden and the Animals. Are you kidding me? Did you and Randy write Undone? He wrote that. He wrote. I, I changed a bit of it, but I mean, basically it was, it was really his and I didn't want to put my name on it. A cool oh, song. That's a cool song. Those are very nice chords. She's come undone She didn't know what she was headed for And when I found what she was headed for
2: It was too late It's
3: a good song No
2: time for a summer
3: friend No time for the love you send Seasons change and so did I
1: When you guys really, really shot that up, you need not wonder. Oh, at the why. end, I was going, God, 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 God
2: time, like yeah. screaming when, when, when up in the When,
1: you, when you guys would ramp were you the only one singing, or did you guys... Well, gonna, well, we all, they
3: all, you sang all sang background, so we all jumped in, and I would do the lead vocal, and then I would join them to to reinforce the background vocals as well. Because at that point, things had just changed from 8-track to 16-track. This is what I'm talking historically now. And yes. it was also, all of a sudden, there was a big change. You had 16 tracks instead of 8. So you could spread more over the drums to have better drum sound. You could double your vocals with the now you can have a hundred tracks. I mean, now it's yeah, it's, crazy. it's all different. Yeah, right? and a lot of auto too. Yeah, we used to of- drive five hundred miles to Minneapolis to record in four tracks.
1: Right now, when you. You go solo. What was that like for you? Did you miss being in a band?
3: Terrifying. I've talked to Neil Young about this, too. When he left the Buffalo Springfield and went solo on his first few solo albums. And Neil's from Winnipeg, too. Really? We all grew up at the same time. Me and Backman and Neil Young, we all used to play the same little coffee houses. Wow. So there was some kind of energy in Winnipeg, Alec. Yeah. Something was going on there, because it's just a dot in the We had Gordon the...
1: Lightfoot on this show. Oh, well, he's, you know... Oh, man. We love him.
3: Oh, he's, uh, if, um, if Gordon Lightfoot's favorite singer were Rod Stewart. Uh, wake up, Maggie, I think I got something to say to you. <laughs> or if I'm also a rock and roll band, oh, Maggie, I wish I'd never seen your face. <laughs> now, did
1: you, did you do much acting? Because you're did, such a I performer. Did, did
3: one film. I actually got to work with Paul Sorvino. We did a film called Melanie. Uh, Glynis O'Connor starred in it. Where'd and, you uh, shoot it? We did the interiors in Toronto and the exteriors here because it was supposed to take place in L.A. Yeah. And I, I did a racquetball scene with Paul Sorvino, which is, you know, I brag about that a lot. We, in the film, it's about two minutes. It took four days. But you didn't day.
1: want to go on and do more of it? I. W- why? I couldn't. You're a natural. I the voices you do. and sitting around. You couldn't take the sitting around. Honest to God. You act yeah, for you're, three you're minutes. Right. Yeah. You
3: act for three minutes. You play cards and eat for seven yeah. hours. For,
1: in, a, in, a, in a 12-hour day, you act for about 45 minutes. I mean, honest to God,
3: I, I, it drove me it nuts. I've got OCD, and I'm, I'm very energetic, and it, it right. made me nuts. Yeah. I can go on stage and keep you interested for two hours as long as I have this, you know. But, right. I'm not an actor.
1: So when you say you went solo and it was
3: terrifying, you went well you, because you're used to the you're, right. you, you're used to the cocoon of a band, sure. you know, and, and 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 then suddenly you're a solo guy and it's hired guns tour by tour. It's not really your band anymore. You're hiring guys just right. for that tour. Sure. So the emotional connection is never quite as strong, right. and then you don't see them anymore. Right. But when you're in a real band, you're going to see guys all the time. Yeah. But, you know, you hire them by the tour. It's different, man. It's,
1: it's really and then, different. And did things change? You wanted to
3: be in a band again? I've had the same band now since Millennium Night, 2000, uh, 1999, 2000. Was so you, mean, the, you have a band now? Yes, yes. Uh, we just call ourselves the Burton Cummings Band. But that's perfect. Uh, but I've had the same guys for 15 years. So it's... Um, it's the best of both worlds. Are you still writing? Oh, absolutely. You are. I had a new album. Um, well, a new album. It was 2008, 2009. Right. right. And it was a double album. It was 19 songs. I wrote everything on it myself. Right. Um, I'm still... Uh, oh, and I have a, a, a poetry book that has just come out, actually. I brought one for you. Right. A book of poems, 52 poems that I've worked on oh, over wow. the last nine years. It's it's serious poetry. It's It's about... All different things, and I've always loved poetry. I wrote it in school. I was always encouraged, the writing, you know. So I, I'm a creative guy. I stay up late at night. I Google. I read endlessly. Yeah. I, I'm building a man- magnificent music library. I have 375,000 songs in my hard drive now. It's oh my God. 2.4 years of music continuously. Oh, my God. All with proper artwork. It's a
1: Smithsonian. Oh, my God. And, no, and, did, did, did you ever want to stop? Have you ever said to yourself, I want to stop? Really? No, no, not even retire. Just walk away from it. And like, I don't want to say palate cleanser, but something like that, where you just kind of purge yourself and, and reset. Mm, Never did that. I did it once. My, my manager was Shep Gordon for
3: years. And uh, when he first got his place on Maui, he was still here in Bel Air all the time. Summer of 77, he said, why don't you go over and stay in the house for a while? <laughs> so I stayed for eight weeks. Yeah, and it's, it's beachfront in Maui. That yeah. place has been on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Sure. It's remarkable. I had a maid cooking for me, making me fresh tabbouleh in the morning. I'd go out in the front yard and pick a mango off the tree and then go down to the water for a while. And You, know, you got used was, to it. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. So, you, um, so briefly you walked away from it. Uh, the- yeah, for that one summer. But honest to God, I'm, a, I'm an OCD guy guy with a lot of energy sure. I don't like to be too idle
1: you right know? when you perform live now and when you go in front of an audience now how does it feel does it feel the same in general is it always the same you know there's a lot of times Alec I will be on stage it'll be a Saturday night it'll
3: be about nine o'clock <laughs> And it'll take that's a, that's me a right back 50-something years to the same feeling I had in the North it's End. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Oh, there you go. Uh, you know, it's it, honest to God, I get that same feeling that I did when I was 14, you know, f- 55 that's years amazing. ago. So when you perform, you still get excited. Oh, absolutely. And nervous, too. Really? I'm, honest to God, my hands still sweat. My heart rate goes up. You see me about two minutes before I go on stage. My hands are dripping with sweat, and I'm always worried. Have I got the chops? Have I got the vocal chops tonight? Am I going to hit the notes? Every, I'm, I've talked to pretty big people about this. Tina Turner, Rod Stewart, they still get nervous. Mm-hmm. I think if you really care, yeah. you get nervous.
1: Yeah, you're if wonder. you don't care, right. then you don't give a shit. Well, we used to always say, we, we, we'd walk out and go, we'd wonder, is this the night and someone said to me, "What do you mean?" I go, "Is this the night they find out that I don't really haven't got it? <laughs> is this the night they find out the truth about uh, it?" That's the same, basically. You're paraphrasing what I just said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is this? Am I going to have the chops? You know now, what? what have you what have you done for your voice to maintain? them? I and obviously, you're someone whose your voice is like this clarion <laughs> sound. Uh, <laughs> I over think the you years. know,
3: honestly, very simply. Um, if I do a I, I quit
1: smoking. I finally
3: yeah. quit tobacco. Um, quit tobacco. Right. Um, God, About five or six years ago. Not that, that long ago. Uh, no, I smoked for 50 years, over over 50 years. But, but you know, it's funny. I'm All my favorite singers were smokers. You, think of a guy like Roy Orbison. Sang like a bird, you know? Sang like a bird all the time. Chain smoker. Good God. Never would have thought so of I'm it. Sinatra. When I was in... The Devrons. We got to open for Roy Orbison. This is about 1964, 65 in Winnipeg. I wasn't even in the Guess Who yet. We got to open for Roy Orbison. And, of course, I stayed later, and I wanted to talk to him after the show. Alec, he's sitting talking to me with red Marlboros, one of the strongest boys. Cigarettes, yeah. cigarettes there is, lighting one off the other. Yeah. Chain smoking one off. This is the guy that's saying... Crying Only Only the lonely
1: But but, but did you have to adjust the key you sing in some of the songs, correct?
3: Um, You know what? Uh, We do everything down one half step. That's not bad for 40 years. Um, We're still doing most of the songs. It's just a half step down. And that that wasn't even me so much as my band. They like to do things a half step down because they have their own singer. They do a lot of gigs when I'm not around. They have their own singer. And he does a lot of Beatles and Zeppelin and stuff way up high. And he needs that extra half step down. And I, I must admit, you know, um, songs like Stand Tall and These Eyes, they're, they're a little tougher to do now, 40-plus sure. years later. But that half-step allows me to... I'd rather do the songs a little bit lower. How does lower. Stand Tall sound half-step down? Oh, goodness, let me see. Well...
1: Sometimes late at
3: night Never been this blue Never knew the meaning of a heartache But then again, I never lost a love before. You're waiting for me to go way up there. No, no. Stand tall, don't you fall. For God's sake, don't go do something foolish. All you're feeling right now, silly human pride. Wow. No, 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 no. Hey, man. I'll tell you something a lot easier is like this. Okay. Clap for the wolf, man.
1: He gonna rate your record high. See, that's a lot easier. You sing two notes, and people go, I know who that is. I know that song, you know. If you sing, you know, sometimes late at night, you sing that song, and people go, I know who that is. You know, they know your whole thing. Wow. And you are a great 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 musician and you are a
3: great singer i'm very humbled by this and it was my pleasure to be here and and see you really and truly i didn't know that you knew all the songs and stuff but it was lonely feeling deep inside find the corner where I can hide no sugar tonight in my coffee, no sugar tonight in my tea, no sugar to stand beside me, no sugar to run with me, no. <laughs>
1: Burton Cummings. I still had more questions, so I called him up to hear how life on the road feels when you've been doing it for 40 years and when everyone wants to hear the same four hits.
4: Uh, You know, the thing is, I've been asked a million times through the decades, don't you get tired of singing the same songs over and over? Maybe some people do, but I certainly don't. And here's the thing, don't, don't, people remember how hard it is to get a hit record in the first place. Right, right. I mean, the odds are stacked against you, no matter who you are, as far as getting a hit record. So why would I, why would I even think twice about not you know not wanting to perform them for the rest of my life? I'm thrilled to get out there and sing the songs that everybody knows.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, like you said, that's a very good point. How hard you worked to get a hit in the first well, place. Well, I mean,
4: it's the thing is that the odds are stacked against you, and 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 that was back then when a lot of people had hit records. There are a lot less people today having uh, to have a hit single today. It's like jumping through hoops. It's almost impossible. Yeah.
1: Well, it's also like classical music, anything good, anything great, like, uh, you know, Beethoven's Fifth. That doesn't matter. You're not going to listen to it every day, but you can come back and hear it again and appreciate what it has to offer, whether it's beautiful pop music or rock music or what have you. Now, the other question I have is I looked at your book of poetry that you gave me, which was very nice. I appreciate that. But the question that I have is that how do you distinguish what's poetry and what's lyrics?
4: Well, that's a, that's a very good question, too. They're, they are completely two separate universes. When I'm writing a song, I'm already thinking of melodies to go along with whatever the lyrics might be. Whereas with poetry, it just has to stand by itself. It doesn't have the backing of a band with drums and guitars and melodies and, you know, uh, the, the, the same shading that uh, Poet- poetry just has to stand as words on paper. Right. So I, when I'm writing poetry, it's a completely different thing. I'm, I'm hearing it as I write the poems. I'm hearing them in my own head. And that's the way when someone reads a poem, they're hearing it in their own voice. You know, mm-hmm. Whereas with songs, it's a, it's a completely different situation. The
1: lyrics have to marry to the tune. You've got to put two things together.
4: It's more than just words on paper, whereas with the poetry, it, they have to, the, the words have to be very strong. They have to convey some kind of a message that makes the reader think something.
1: And you find with poetry, you can do whatever you want.
4: It's a different world. You know, songwriting and poetry, two different worlds completely. Uh, I like both. I wouldn't say I prefer one over the other, but I've probably had more experience writing songs because I've done over 30 albums and written most of the stuff myself. <laughs>
1: Have you ever thought about singing your poems?
4: Um, no, I, they just, they don't lend themselves to, they don't lend themselves to vocals.
1: He'll always be known as guess-who frontman Burton Cummings, but don't overlook his poetry. That book he gave me sold out. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing...
4: Okay, fine, I'll fess up. All the new summer stuff I got, it's on sale at Kohl's. And the deals are so good. Like our Sonoma Goods for Life patio furniture, it was 30% off. Got 30% off backyard games, too. And even picked up grilling tools for 20% off. Best part? I saved an extra 20% and got it in an hour with free store pickup. So now we're all set for summer, and I'm pretty sure we've got a cookout planned every weekend. Select Style's 20% offer ends June 27th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details.
0: The world is filled with stories. But the best ones are the made-up ones, and that's why there's This Is Americans Live, the new improvised comedy podcast from Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network. Hi, I'm Mario Thears. And I'm Andy Harris. Join us every week as we use our trusty random sentence generator to inspire us creating a series of scenes before your very ears. What will happen? I don't know. What will we learn? Probably nothing. Will it be funny? I hope so. I need this. It's This Is Americans Live, a new comedy podcast from Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network. Listen to This Is Americans Live on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast,